Morning. Morning. Yeah, for about the next five minutes. Um, I'm just going to quickly pray. Uh, Come, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your pursuit of us, how much you chase us down in your love and in your goodness. And even in this moment, you are excited about what we are about to uncover in your word, the truth that it's going to bring to us and then the, the, the life it's going to bring from this point forward. So Father, not just myself, but everyone here is anointed to hear and receive from you, Lord Jesus. So we just thank you for this moment. Um, we thank you for the avoidance of all distractions. Um, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> yeah, I'm going to have to forgive me. Um, I am recovering from a bit of a cold. As, as is the custom when it comes to half term, when you work in a school, that's the time you get ill. Um, it's all good. God is good. Um, I'm going to get into it real quick. Um, the sermon title is called A Place Called Hidden. For those of us writing notes, uh, a place called hidden. Okay. But before I get into it, I would actually just like to just maybe just share a bit of a recap from the last time I was here. Last time I was here um, <clears throat> sharing, I, I spoke about you know that creative age session with, with Pastor Ayo and, 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 and Sam, and, and it was great just to have an opportunity, like I mentioned earlier in my group, and like it was just fed back to speak to people that, you know, oh, wow, you think the same way I think. Um, it's encouraging in those moments. Does anyone remember the two words I gave you guys? There were two words I used. Um, if you don't, that's fine. I'm not going to mark you down in your homework. Um, <laughs> they both began with the letter G. Um, the two words I, I gave in terms of my, in the intro, in terms of what the Lord was saying about this moment you're entering into. You can check your notes. Global. And there was another one, generational. It's all good. The global one was the one I wanted to focus on. So I, I shared that, and it's interesting because one of the things I said, I watched it back, and I said, global refers to the authority bestowed upon the creative. The reason why I share that is because um, the reason why I'm here today, it was a last-minute call-up uh, from the reserve list, um, as it were, <laughs> because um, <clears throat> your beloved pastor is, is away on a global mission. You, whether you know or not, he'll give you more details next week. I think he's going to share it. Um, but I wanted to just encourage you, because it was only three weeks ago that I said this. And within three weeks, and this is what I said to him on the phone um, on Friday when he called me, and he's he, his mind was blown where he is right now, what the Lord has called him to do. <clears throat> and, and, and the way the hand of the Lord is upon him, his mind is blown. Even this morning I was speaking to him, he's like, it's not even sunk in yet. And he's in a position of influence and authority bestowed upon the creative. It was three weeks. And I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. I'm saying this to encourage you guys to pat yourselves on the back. Because remember, the qualifier for that global mission is the excellence that you've harvested here. So the fact that you guys have got this spirit of excellence here in the church is what qualifies you going into these global moments. I'll let him share more next week. But I'm very excited for all of you because... One thing I know, and this is what I said to him last night, I sent him a quick text. Um, in, in the scripture, when, when Aaron was anointed, it speaks about the, the oil would soak his beard, and then it would soak his clothes. 
that's significant because the oil always soaks the head first, then it begins to drip down. So I'm very excited to be just part of this little garment here in this church because if it's, I'm seeing it soak him, the one, you know, our Pastor Ayo, as he's getting soaked and the beard is getting full with this oil. So that makes me excited because everyone attached to this community, you're next. Okay. <clears throat> We're going to look at 1 Kings 17 as our kind of main scripture. I'm not going to read it all, um, one for time, and also I don't necessarily need to. Um, we're going to kind of dip into different moments from that scripture. Again, it's called, you know, the, a place called Hidden. The reality of the situation is, guys, the greatest sequoia, like, you know, the tree, the sequoia tree, the greatest sequoia was once a seed. Okay, the greatest book once started with just one word, the greatest song began with just one note, the greatest man was once a baby in a manger, the greatest faith which birthed nations was conceived in a desert tent. The greatest storm was once a cloud the size of a man's fist. It's very interesting because we always get attracted to greatness. Or in this day and age, we call it celebrity. It's not necessarily greatness, but it's celebrity. We get attracted to moments of excellence, moments of, of <clears throat> things that seem beyond normal. But what we don't understand is all those things were fostered in a place. And that place is the place called hidden. So if we are going to be qualifiers for greatness, if we are going to live our lives um, achieving the greatness of our faith, there has to be a moment where we embrace being hidden. I've shared this before, um, the, the phrase or the term rewilding. Rewilding is, is when they restore an area of land to its natural uncultivated state and they use this especially with reference to the reintroduction of a species. Okay, so a species that maybe had been enslaved or captive for a while, what they would do is they would release it back into its natural habitat and just let it go. And in its natural habitat, it then begins to relearn what it should really be like. So imagine an elephant, let's say, it's been in the zoo for a number of years, obviously it learns to go so far than, you know, in terms of its um, enclosure. It learns to receive food from, uh, from a human being as opposed to finding food itself. So all these things are learnt behaviours which are not natural to the elephant. However, what they would do in the rewilding process is literally put the elephant back on the African plane and say, sort it out. An elephant itself will struggle for, for a while and they may have to help him out and just put things in place as well and make sure you can see it there and, you know, to help guide. But over time, the elephant and its descendants gets used to something that was foreign at one point. Why is that important? That's important because that's what the Lord uses the wilderness for. The Lord used the wilderness with the, um, the children of Israel as a time to rewild them. They'd been in slavery for 400 years. What did he say to Moses? He said to Moses, he said, bring my people out that they may come to worship. This is why I also believe that hidden in that word, God never promised Moses that he was going to get to the promised land. He said, bring them here to Sinai so that they may worship me. I feel like God knew what was going to happen. And so in that process of, of taking them for however many years to Sinai and the whole process of walking around um, 
uh, walking around the wilderness, going up and down, fighting King Og of Bashan, fighting the Amorites, the Hittites, all the other ites. Um, they learned what it meant to trust God. They, they rewilded themselves to be a people group who now were no longer dependent on the Egyptian system to be independent of that and to learn how to trust God. Which is why when 40 years later they were presented with the instruction from Joshua when he said, walk around in silence every day and on the seventh day walk around seven times and then scream at the end of it. Okay? When he said that to them, the previous generation would have interpreted that as slavery, as work. I've said this before. This new generation who had been rewilded interpreted that as faith. It's the same instruction. One person will hear it as work, the other person hears it as faith. The one who hears it as faith is the one who's been rewilded, who through the process of living in this wilderness, which we have been taught traditionally to be a negative thing. How did I realise that the wilderness was not negative, and this is all recap, I know I've shared these things in part before, is when I realised in Matthew 4 that Jesus was led into the wilderness. Now, anything that Jesus does, I'm, I'm cool with. You know, like, I get it, it's the will of God, let's say. Okay, so when I saw that in Matthew 4, 1, it says, and the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness, I was like, so why am I always scared of the wilderness? Because there was a reason. There's a reason why he had to be there. Yes, we can go into temptation. We can go into all the things he proved and whatever. But we shouldn't be fearful of the wilderness. We shouldn't be fearful of the place called hidden. Now, what does it mean to be hidden? Some would maybe say out of sight. Let me give you get some, give me some synonyms. If I said hidden, what do you think? Unseen. Unseen. Anyone else? Protected. Protected. Private. Covered. Covered. Difficult. What did you say? Difficult. Difficult. Yeah. You may also say ignored. You may also say, also say overlooked. It's interesting because we sometimes go to the negative, don't we? It's, it's a very British thing as well. Unfortunately, we're all here, isn't it? <clears throat> it's in the air. <laughs> Look at the rain. The rain outside is, oh, gosh. Oh, I've got to take my coat. You know. It's a very British thing when I say, oh, God has is, is really got me in this season where I really feel hidden. You think, oh, yeah, it's a struggle, isn't it? <laughs> that would be most people's reaction. Because our tradition is to assume that hidden is to be ignored, overlooked, to be forgotten. But consider the seed placed in the soil. Consider the baby placed in the womb. In order for that which is to come, to be perfectly brought to bear, there must be time spent in a place called hidden. Okay? In order for that which is to come, to be perfectly brought to bear, there must be a time spent in the place called hidden. Okay? The seed must be placed in the soil. It must be hidden. The baby has to be conceived within the womb. It has to be hidden. For the end product the conception, the birth, whatever, for it to actually take place properly, you have to have the hidden. So you cannot separate your destiny from the place called hidden. You cannot uh, wish to, to go into any sense of, of, of realising the call of God on your life, and we all have one, 
whether you know it or not, and we spent a few weeks talking about creativity, talking about how to find this, your purpose, all these great um, nuggets that were revealed to us. But there's also that time called hidden. And I believe the reason why the Lord has shared this with me is because many of us maybe feel like we're in that moment now. We know what we're called to do. We know where we're supposed to be. We know the end point. God maybe gave us a vision when we were 16 or gave us a scripture. He's been speaking to us over the past few weeks. Now we've got a plan, a five-year career plan. I don't know where I'm going to go. But how do I get there? Which way does the path take me? Is it one from one moment of greatness to the next? No. Even Jesus himself. Many times you read in the scripture, Jesus, it says, Jesus took himself away to pray. There were many moments, even amongst the 12, where Jesus would go, I need to hide. Case in point. Yeah, let's go there. Um, I will get to 1 Kings 17 at some point. <laughs> um, you guys remember the story of the Mount uh, Transfiguration, right? There's different expositions on what happened on that mountain. The story after that, so Jesus takes himself away with the three. He's been transfigured. You see Moses on one side, Elijah. All of a sudden you have the prophets and you have all this, like all this imagery and you have the voice of God and Peter is being a numpty as usual. You know, oh, let's build tents. What? Dude, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Get yourself out of the narrative. Anyway, um, and you have all this going on. The very next uh, story is when they couldn't cast out the demon, the disciples. And Jesus has to come from the place called hidden. And then he says the words, uh, this kind goeth out not without prayer and fasting. But then he didn't fast before he cast the demon out. So what was it? What had happened? Because we, God forgive us, in church, we use that scripture all the time. This kind goeth out not without prayer and fasting. So now you must fast. Now what Jesus was implying and showing us was that he had already lived a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. So much so that it enabled him to have the authority to deal with the situation at hand. Because when your co-worker comes to you with a sickness, you ain't got time to say, give me two weeks, I'll be back. <laughs> when they come to you with, with a diagnosis, or when you're about to lose your job, you're walking into that office, hey guys, I'm just going to skip breakfast today so that I'm really ready. Come on. But it's the life, and this is what I learned. Um, when was it? Was it 2019 or 2020, the fasting year? Yeah, I think it was 2019. The Lord said to me, he's like, you need to learn how to fast. <laughs> I'm not to fast. <laughs> Come on. I've been in church my whole life. Every January, we fast. <clears throat> no, he said, you need to learn. So I gave up a week every month to fast. And over time, I learned a lot about myself. <laughs> a lot about myself. I don't know what the benefit of that time was. I haven't seen the end point. But there was a moment where I had to be hidden. There was a time I had to be hidden, and maybe some of the things I've shared um, when I've been in this church, some of the, the moments that people have received from, they're like, oh, wow, that really blessed me. The Holy Spirit was really talking to me. It's because of the fast I did in March 2019. I don't know. But there was a place called hidden before I start walking into my destiny. Again, we assume it's negative, but think about the seed and the soul. Consider the baby in the womb. In order for what, for which is to come to be perfectly brought to bear, there must be time spent in a place called hidden. There are three things I find in the place called hidden. I find provision, 
protection, which we said earlier, and purpose. So now we hit 1 Kings 17. Um, Elijah, if I said to you Elijah, can someone give me some of the stories you'd associate with Elijah? Mount Carmel? Mount Carmel, yeah. Anyone else? Rain. 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 The whisper Take it to heaven, yep, didn't see death. There we go, whispering the wind. It's interesting, Mount Carmel was the first one that was said. Great, that's in 1 Kings 18. We're looking at 17. So in 17, I'm just literally, I'm going to pull out a few um, verses. Verse 1 <clears throat> says, Elijah the Tishbite of the temporary residence of Gilead said to Ahab, this is a king, King Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew or rain these years, but according to my word. Okay, so he's gone to Ahab and he said, right, this is it. There ain't going to be no more rain. Okay, there's not going to be no, not even the morning dew. There is going to be no, none of that until I say so. And the next verse, and the word of the Lord came to him, came to Elijah. He said, go from here, turn east and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, east of the Jordan. Verse 4, you shall drink of the brook, and I have commanded ravens to feed you there. That's the provision we're talking about. It's interesting. Elijah's had this big boss moment, right? He's walked up to the king, and by instruction by the Lord, has said, this is what's going to happen. What do we have here? Look at it on the deeper level. The prophetic speaking to the political. Okay, there is a space being reserved for the prophets in this day and age to rise up and begin to speak to the political realm. We abdicated that when our archbishops and our bishops decided to chase money as opposed to the, the presence of God. This has happened four, five hundred, six hundred years ago. Um, you probably studied it when you did the Tudors. Okay, the dissolution of the monasteries, all that kind of stuff. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> that whole time period when the church began to fall into corruption because it was looking after its own interests as opposed to the interests of the people, we abdicated our position as the intercessor over the country, and then, because nature abhors a vacuum, things had to raise up, hence we have parliament. Yeah. There was no parliament before, yeah. like, 1600 and whatever. I don't know. The idea of parliament, the idea of all, all the stuff we see now came because the church, which was the governing body, where if you wanted to go to war, check it with the church. Yeah. You wanted to do this... Check with the church. You want us to raise your taxes? Yeah. Check with the church. The prophets di dictated, and this is England. I'm not talking about Israel and Jordan. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about here in England. The church had the power to dictate what was going on in the nation. It was abdicated, but I believe the Lord is bringing it back. These are the days of Elijah. There's a whole song about it. So we have the prophetic speaking to the political. Okay, an incredible moment of influence, of, of you can say, destiny and, and, and greatness. And the next instruction from God is, go and hide. Where? Cherith. Where's Cherith? Ain't nobody know. It's not Jerusalem. This is not Bethel. It's not one of the hot spots. No, 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 no. That brook. It's a random spot on the map. Okay. I wish I did my research and actually found out where it was. It's a random place. But it implies to me it was a place known to Elijah. I don't know maybe whether he'd been there before or whatever. It's east of the Jordan. 
And as the Lord uh, said, the ravens were going to bring you bread and flesh in the morning. And he drank of the brook. That's verse 6. So we have, in this place called hidden, we have provision. It's important for us to realize that there was never a doubt that you'll be catered for. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Study it in whichever language you want. It says, I shall not want. Not want. There was never, you realize, like, this is crazy. There was never a moment where that scripture doesn't apply. I shall not want. There is always provision. Even in the place called hidden. Even in a random brook by Cherith, east of the Jordan. So think about your career. You may be in a place called Cherith. That random company is nowhere near where you want to be. You're doing an internship. You're not, maybe not even getting paid much or whatever. That's your brook. But there's provision. It doesn't mean that God's hand is not upon you just because you're in a place that seems far away from the Jerusalems and far away from the Bethels, far away from from Dan and Bathsheba, far away from all these places that we see and we hear of in the scripture, whether we know where they are or not. Far away, but not forgotten. And sometimes we can feel like we're forgotten because we're in such a remote location. Okay? We feel exposed. We're by a brook east of the Jordan. What? There's no covering. I've got to fend for myself in the sense of, you know, how do I even sleep at night and not get torn apart by the beasts of the wild and, and, and how do I I can imagine the thoughts that maybe went through Elijah's mind because as anointed as he was he was a man and actually let's be real he didn't have the Holy Spirit indwelling in him the same way we do so maybe he didn't have the comfort that we might have okay so Elijah's in top where, where have I got to go alright cool but you know what he did he went but then there came a moment I think it's in verse 7 when the brook dried up. Now imagine, you've just come from the king's palace. You just told him everything is done. No more rain, no more moisture until I say so. You go to a brook, there's moisture. It's been replenished somehow, some way. God is doing the supernatural. I found my place. Yes, I am hidden. Yes, I feel ignored. Yes, I feel overlooked, but there's provision and then it runs out. Do you ever think that in those moments you may think you're in the wrong place? Yeah. It's easy to think when the provision apparently runs out, well, maybe I've, I moved. Maybe this wasn't what God told me to do. Right? I can only imagine when, and when they launched this church. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pandemic. Go into your houses and stream from your, from your living room. Oh, that's, that's not what we thought it was going to be. How, how do we do that? Who's got a camera? Who's got, what, YouTube? Uh, right, I can't meet these people. I'm, I'm trying to pass to these people, but there's a disconnect because physically I can't even hang out with them. What, what do I do? Uh, what, two meters distance? What are we doing? This church is birthed in a moment where the world goes a bit crazy. The way we do church completely changes. And it's easy to assume in those moments of chaos that there is no provision because you are hidden Maybe ignored, overlooked, can't do the conferences I want to do, can't do the, I can't launch the ideas, I don't have a worship team the way I really wanted to rock the house sometimes and blah, 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 and we're putting a lot on the leaders. Maybe they're going to resent me one day because I've been working them hard for three years. These are questions that legitimately you may ask. 
because it seems like the provision is running out. So you'd question, you'd say, am I in the right place? Is this what God really wanted me to do? Is this where he really wanted me to be? We assume, or even worse, we assume that we've done something wrong. Maybe I sinned. Maybe I didn't pray enough. I launched this business, I launched this, this idea, and you know what? I ran out of money three years into it. Maybe it wasn't God. I've written this book. I'm just going to go personal. I've written this book. Lord, you told me that it was going to change this and it was going to do this and it's, now I'm giving it away for free. Well, that doesn't make sense. I've got bills to pay. What's going on? You're in the place called hidden. It's fine. You're in the place called hidden. It's fine. The reality of the situation is the only lesson to be learned is the one of obedience. The only lesson to be learned in the place of called hidden is the one that says obey. I was saying earlier to my group that I had, um, and I, I, I openly share this, and I spoke to Pastor Ayo about this, he's one of my biggest supporters, one of my biggest like, fans. He's like, yo, man, got like the word that God's giving you, man. I just want to hear you preach, and dude, man, you could do this, and yada, yada, yada. But at the same time, I struggle feeling like I'm qualified. I have moments, yes, I do, when because I am in this place called Hidden, yes, my name is not on Front Street in every single church, and people don't know me the way they might know Mike Todd or Creflo Dollar or whatever. And to be honest, sometimes I don't want that. But there are moments where I'm like, Lord, I know what you've given me, and I feel pregnant with this promise, and I'm just waiting for it to drop. When is it going to drop? And he says, trust me. No, 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 I want a date. I want a time, I want a place, I want a plan, career planning. Give me my five years. What are we doing here? And he says, trust me. And then I go to the Ayers and the Emmanuels and all these other people tossing and I'm speaking, I'm like, yeah, man, I don't know. I might put this out on Instagram, but I feel a bit nervous about putting up that clip. Dude, why? Yo, that's a fire clip, boy. Yo, and I'm t- you sure? What do you think? Yeah, just pull it up, bro. All right, cool. Pull it up and I go, send. <laughs> Why? Because I'm in that place called hidden. And sometimes when the clicks aren't coming in, the likes aren't coming in, the phone calls not ringing, people aren't calling me to every single conference. I've seen conference and it's called Worship 101, Identity Over Everything. And I'm like, yo, that's my message. <laughs> Why did I not get the phone call for that? <coughs> hey, D, can you come play keys? I don't play keys. I want to preach. <laughs> I'm just being real. I don't want to play kids. I want to come preach, man. I want to heal the sick. I want to do that stuff because that's what God told me to do. Told me to preach, told me to heal the sick and play keys. I've done all that. I want to. Hey, can you just come serve? Why? Because greatness is found in. Thank you. Oh, that was one person. Greatness is found in serving, okay? And I'm having these moments of hidden. And it's. Maybe. Maybe I've done something wrong. Maybe because I haven't prayed enough, that's why I'm not getting those phone calls. Maybe, maybe I'm in the wrong place. Hey, maybe it's just, I don't know. I'm having, there's questions, there's queries, there's concerns when you're in the place called hidden. But the one thing you learn is obey. So six o'clock in the morning comes and my alarm goes off and says, come spend time with me. And I walk down and I go, right, Lord, what are we going to talk about today? Identity. We've been speaking about this for 10 years, Lord. When am I going to be able to 
Like, even this message, I wrote this in July. Didn't know who I was going to share it with. Just wrote it. In the title, I don't know where I was. Where I could have been at church, could have been in prayer. Just wrote it. And when I get to share it, trust me, just write this down. You know how I rehearse my, <laughs> I rehearse my sermons in my front room at six in the morning, walking up and down in my wall, the converted fireplace, the wall is my audience. And as I'm there, you know what starts to happen? I start to get prophetic impressions from people that I don't even know when I'm going to meet them. So I start putting notes on. There might be someone who has this. There might be, I can feel this. And this is like a year ago. And then I get a phone call on Friday. Hey, dude, can you step in? Ooh, I don't know if I've got anything. I, I haven't written anything in the last five days. Or, 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 actually, I wrote something, but that's for my church. That's on the 27th. Ah, da, 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 da. And I look through my notes. Oh, hidden. Oh, yeah. But who's going to be there? I don't know. Are they going to even, is it going to connect? Well, actually, there might be just one. Just obey. Just obey. Notice later on in the scripture, in that same chapter, after the brook dries up. Why? Because there was no rain in the land. This is verse 7. Why was there no rain in the land? Because Elijah was the one who said it. The word comes to him in verse 9. says, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. He met her, verse 10, I'm just going to summarize. He met her at the gate of the city. Whenever you see gates in the scripture, it speaks of protection. It speaks of security. He meets his protection and the next phase of provision at the gate of the city. And then he gets taken into a house. So he lives in the house for a time. So where before he was out by the brook, all exposed, maybe there was beasts coming past, he was hearing different noises in the night, whatever, and the ravens were bringing him food. Like, literally, animals were bringing him food. Do you understand how deep that is? Like, an animal coming to you, <laughs> just dropping the food off. <laughs> that was the first delivery. Um, <laughs> but here we are. Now, okay, so is it ravens? No, 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 no. It's a widow. He goes to a place where there was grief, a place where there was loss, a place where there was suffering. That's where God chooses to hide him. And then, in that moment, her child dies, later on in the scripture. Imagine, she's already lost her husband. Now she loses her son. If you know anything about the, um, the, the, the days and the times of, the, of the, at that time, to lose your husband was one thing. To lose your son, you, there was no way you could make money. You actually had to go to the temple or the local tabernacle to receive like charity, basically, alms. Because women weren't necessarily working. So she's lost her source of income. And she's cussing out the man of God like, yo, since you've come here. Like. <laughs> and he turns around and he raises him from the dead. It would have been interesting to note his thought process before he raised him. Maybe again, am I in the wrong place? Maybe I've overstayed my welcome. Maybe this, this hidden thing is not for me. Maybe I should, maybe, Lord, did I miss something in the prayer? Because I've come here and the woman who's lost all has now lost even more whilst I'm here. They're looking at me. Case in point, I'll use myself. I pray for the sick. People call me because they know I pray for the sick. Not just pray for the sick, we heal the sick. That's what we do, me and God. We, it's, a, it's been an incredible journey over the past 10 years. People call me. I 
friend called me a few years ago. His dad was in a bad way. His dad died a few weeks later. I prayed. I was convinced. This is it. This is, we're going to have what we said. And he passed away. And I remember being in my office at work when I heard the news, and it cut me because it was the first one I had lost. There have been others where we're still waiting, but they're still alive. But this felt like the end. And as I began to fill up with tears, and I'm at work, I've got to compose myself, I've got to go teach, I've got to go whatever I was doing. I had to process with the Lord that in this place called hidden, because no one knew my story apart from those who do, I felt like I failed. Because they came to me asking, could you pray for my dad? I heard that testimony about the other guy who had two weeks to live, the nan who had two weeks to live and now is still alive even now, seven years later. I've heard that testimony about when you went to Norway. I've heard that testimony when you went here and you did this and you prayed for this person, pray for that person. When the Lord told you to give someone a hug and you didn't realise that um, she had just gone from a divorce and the divorce was the one was the thing that was causing the illness. All these incredible moments. I've heard these testimonies. Could you pray for my dad? Yeah, 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 of course. Dad dies. Tough. Tough to hear. You're praying for your friend, your best friend. She's got a situation that she's dealing with. Still not over. Oh, the doctors have said this. Oh, it's worse than we thought. It's worse than we thought. Now I'm in hospital. Now I'm this. Now I'm doing this. I'm on this medication. They're up on my medication. Could you pray for me? Why do you still come to me to pray? And I prayed for five years and we've not seen change. Am I doing something wrong? Am I in sin? Is it, oh, maybe I didn't pray and fast enough. Because this kind go without. We know the scripture. It's easy in these moments to assume you've done something wrong. But hidden is the place of a jealousy. Hidden is the place that he loves you so much that he'd rather have you to himself first before you go out and he shares you with the rest of the world. And so I have learned over time, and this is where we are now because the, the Lord said to me earlier this morning, this church is on the cusp of going into 1 Kings 18, from 17 to 18, from hidden to revealed. So I want you to take these final moments to realise it was all about his jealousy. It was all about his love. It was all about his mercy, all about his goodness. The reason why you may have not been in the exposed arena that you know you will be one day is because he loves you so much. And he'd rather have this time to develop you. He'd rather have this time to perfect you. He'd rather have this time to bring out the, the, the ugly stuff, kick that out now before it's on the public before other people's lives depend on you, before a whole business depends on you. It would rather teach you how to deal with your money when you've got £100 in your bank account, not 100000 Because 100000 trust me, is a different budget than £100. <laughs> okay? So he'll teach you these things in hidden, in the place called hidden, because he loves you. The place, of, the place called hidden is not the place of God's rejection. Indeed, it is proof that God is willing to accomplish his purpose beyond the prying eyes of hum humankind, safe from the pollution of comparison and competition. And this is what the Lord says, those who have learnt to hear me in silence will be the ones who hear my voice in the noise of the changing winds. Those who have learnt to hear me in silence will be the ones to hear, who hear my voice in the noise of the changing winds. 
Elijah's obedience in the place called Hidden when he realised that, okay, I've got to go to this remote brook <clears throat> where no one knows me. It's just me and the ravens. I've got no one to speak to for however many months, years, whatever. Then I've got to go to this widow who's had so much suffering and loss. And whilst I'm there, she has more loss. But Lord, you want me to bless her. In this moment, his obedience, as he witnessed the provision and the protection of the Lord, led him into his purpose. Because the very next story we see in, verse, in chapter 18 is this Mount Carmel. So this is three years after he proclaimed um, there'll be no rain. And he shows up and they have the world's first rap battle. Okay? Who can pray the best? Yeah? Me to Yahweh or you to your God. He lets them have it. They have their moment. They build their altar. They're crying out to him. Nothing. Remember he says, the God who answers with fire. Could you, like, dude, I think we've got to understand how bold and brash this is. That he would turn up and say, this is how we're going to determine. We're not going to determine just because like a leg grew or something. Or, or that there was a change in the wind. I'm talking about fire coming from somewhere. The God who answers by fire, that's how we're going to know. How could you be so bold? How could you be so brave? How do you develop that level of confidence? It's in the place called hidden. Because if a God can command a raven to come and bring me food every day for a certain amount of time, he can command fire to come out from heaven. If God can tell me there's a widow waiting for me and I meet her at the gate and I say to her, make me some food before you make your own food, and I'm telling you it's going to multiply and not run out to the day I leave, and that happens, then I trust that he's going to be able to send fire from heaven. It's the level of confidence I develop in the hidden place that qualifies me for the bold, brash confidence I show on the, great, the greatness stage. Okay? And actually, I would say greatness is found in all those moments. Because it's your faith that qualifies you. The Bible in the book, in the Amplified, it talks about faith as the entire leaning of the human personality. Okay, or the leaning of the entire human personality. That's how it describes it in the brackets. You know what that looks like? This. Now, to you, I look like I'm off balance. But if I'm leaning against a wall, I'm not off balance. I only look off balance until you realise who I'm leaning on. My faith looks crazy until you realise, oh, it's Yahweh he's talking about. When I turn around, and this is the first time I ever saw a healing, it was um, September 2012, after being in boot camp for 18 months. September 2012, I'm at a concert, I was, this is back in the day when I used to do uh, gospel rap, and I'm rapping, and, and God told me, halfway through your set, stop and heal the sick. Never seen that one before. Okay. So we stop. And I said, right, the Lord wants to heal the sick. Raise your hand if <laughs> cancer. I just started calling them all out. And that was because I'd had 18 months in the hidden where I learned stuff about him. Okay. He had me walking down the street praying for people. He had me on the tube praying for random people. Oh, Lord, do you want me to tell them what you give? No, no, no. I've given you a word. I want you to pray and leave, let them go. Okay. And that was developing my faith muscle. So when I stood there in a church building in South Croydon, I said, right, raise your hand. Yes, I didn't go and pray for them. I wasn't at the Benny Hinn level 
of waving my jacket and laying hands, you know. There's nothing wrong with that, but I'm not there yet. And even now, I very rarely would lay hands on people unless instructed. Okay, I'm more of a speaker and, you know, we deal with it that way. And then one person comes forward. Well, there was many, but one particular person comes forward. She tells me a story. I give her some advice because she was on medication. So what, do I stop taking the medication? Uh, uh, oh, Lord, what do we do? <laughs> Where's the manual? <laughs> no, 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 keep taking the medication. But when you go to the doctor's next, uh, soon, next month, okay, here's my email address. Let me know how it goes. She emails me and says, hey, you know, you probably don't remember me, but God did it. I'll never forget it. She sent me a DM. She said, you probably don't remember me, but God did it. Let me know. I want to know all the details. She had lupus. She had kidney failure. She had um, kidney, liver, liver failure. It got to the point her body was rejecting the medication. She said to me, she said, I went to the doctors and they said, there's no trace of lupus in my body. She said, and they described my kidneys and my liver as being like a brand new baby. I sat on the edge of my chair in Birmingham and I looked to heaven and I said, God, you did it. You know what he said to me? He said, well done, son, you did it. What had I done? I had learned in the place called Hidden how to obey and how to trust. And that qualified me for my first or my next moment of greatness. So Elijah's on, and I'm wrapping up, Elijah's on this, on this hillside, this Mount Carmel. And he builds an altar, soaks it in water, makes it pretty much impossible for there to be any sort of pyrotechnics. And God answers with fire. Brings the famine to an end in one of the biggest, most powerful moments of display of God's presence in, in that time. He then outruns a king's chariot. Why? Because in the distance, when he, was, he starts praying and he's like, Lord, you said you're going to send rain. Where's the rain? Where's the rain? Where's the rain? And he sees, his servant sees the cloud the size of a man's fist. You've just seen fire. Now you see the cloud the size of a man's fist. Because of the obedience and the faith you learn in the secret, when you see that, that's enough to run. So now he starts to run. He's like, hey, rain's on the way, rain's on the way. Tells Ahab, you better get back to your palace, rain's on the way. And starts to run. The Bible says he picked up, he girded his loins, picked up his garments and ran. And the man outran the king's chariot. Such was the inspiration of this moment of destiny that he had just lived through. But you do not qualify for 1 Kings 18 if you're going to run away from 1 Kings 17. So my challenge to you guys today, because the Lord is ready to bring you into your 18. He is, um, I know it as much as I know my name. He is ready to release you. This is why your pastor's not here today, because you're starting to see it in seed form. He is releasing you into your moments of destiny where the things he has developed in secret and in hidden will now begin to make sense. The rejections, the twisting, the turning, the doubts, the wrestling, it will all start to make sense. Is that okay? So I'm going to pray just to close. Father, I thank you. We thank you. We thank you that you have brought us into these hidden moments because you love us. 
that, Lord, you desire to raise up priests that will weep between the porch and the altar, who know how to go between heaven and earth and have the authority to speak to different arenas and command the word of God and to see it come to pass. But those priests have to be tried and tested. They have to go through these moments of being hidden so that you can prove to them and reveal to them your love, your faithfulness, your kindness, your goodness, your mercy. So Lord, every single person here and those watching by YouTube, whatever, we make a promise, Father God, to be faithful to build your tabernacle, to be faithful to your word, be faithful to the call of our lives. That is all. We just choose to obey. We choose to obey. We don't resent, we don't despise where we've been placed. We embrace this hidden, knowing that in time, kings will come to the brightness of our rising. That's in the scripture, Isaiah 60. Kings will come to the brightness of our rising. Our gates shall be called praise. So there has to be a moment after this, after the hidden, after we feel ignored and overlooked, there has to be a moment, according to your word, where kings come to the brightness of our rising. So we keep that at the forefront. That is our cloud, the size of a man's fist. And therefore, Father, above all else, we will run. We will run, we will run, we will run. We won't grow tired. We will run because we see the cloud and we know that rain is on the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.